All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Canucks fans, stop what you're doing. The Canucks made a trade. My name is David Quadrelli. Joining me here is Chris Faber. Chris, we got a lot to get into on this emergency edition of Canucks Conversation. Yeah, I know. We just announced that we're going to start doing two episodes a week, and we're getting this one out a little bit early, but I think uh, we can announce that as well, because that's another major emergency. Yeah, for those that don't know, we're going to be doing two shows a week now. Uh, They're going to be coming out on Tuesday evenings, and then on Saturday mornings, which is our regularly scheduled programming. You're used to it on Saturday mornings, but yeah, you'll be seeing it from us on Tuesday nights. But with the trades that happened today and everything that happened around the league, we just kind of, and you know, the Jacob Markstrom injury news, which we'll get into soon, we'll break that all down for you soon. Uh, we just decided that, yeah, we had to come out to the studio tonight. I'm coming straight from work. Chris is coming all the way from almost the border, and he's here now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm happy to be here, but, you know, obviously tons of big news dropping. Uh the biggest is the Markstrom stuff, but do you want to just like go through some of the big trades that we saw right off the bat? Yeah, so we're going to like not really break down the trades, but we're going to talk about, you know, like we'll talk about later what the Canucks traded um, pre-deadline and kind of what went at the deadline, and we'll kind of talk about costs and all that stuff. So let's just start off. Ilya Kovalchuk to the Washington Capitals for a third round pick in 2020. Yeah, I love that's, that. That's just a cool trade, man. I just like, think it's awesome that Kovalchuk's going to the Capitals. That's pretty awesome. And I know that uh, Bergevin talked about you know, he wanted to do Ovechkin right, and one of the teams that, or sorry, one of the uh, teams that Kovalchuk wanted to go to was the Capitals. Maybe he will play with some time with Ovechkin, but I thought that was pretty exciting. Also, uh, I've just got to get it out there. 
I am super sick right now, so I'm hopefully going to be able to get through this episode. My voice might sound a little worse for wear so far, and I might be coughing in the background. So I'm warning people right now with that. Yeah, so I'm doing the heavy lifting this you episode. You are doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> All right, next trade we got Mike Green going to the Oilers. The Oilers went for some defense help in exchange for a conditional fourth-round pick and Kyle Brodziak. And then, you know, there's a couple other ones. We'll kind of skip these. The one that we got to talk about is J.G. Pajot for sure. Um, going to the Islanders, and Ottawa gets a conditional first-round pick, second-round pick, and a third-round pick. I think that's a tidy piece of work for uh, for Ottawa, and I think, you know, that's a pretty fair price. I think Pajot's got like 24 goals this year, so I think that's a pretty fair price but i signed a big extension too is it six years yeah something like that six years six million or something louis erickson contract but yeah the ottawa senators had one of the best days i thought and like they've loaded up i think they have like seven second round picks in the next two drafts and like four three or four first round picks which is nuts and then the fact that they have the san jose sharks pick who you know can't no protection on it at all so they could have two of the top three picks in this draft which is crazy to think about so they did a good job of of you know turning i guess the way that people were looking at ottawa for a long time i was just calling them such a joke but man they've they've loaded up and if you have 11 picks in the first two rounds over the next two years that's crazy well they don't really draw a lot of free agents right so if you want guys to play for your organization you got to draft them right and that's how you're going to get good players if you're ottawa and really that's kind of the trend with the nhl like i was just listening to the kess and juice podcast and they were talking about how it's more like that than ever before like Mm. You got to be drafting better than you were before. Like before, it was easy to just build a team through free agency trades, and now it's so much is put into drafting. You know, we've seen that with the Vancouver Canucks, uh, the success they've had with their draft picks, like with Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the only way to do it now because free agents get so overpaid. Um, but there's a couple other big ones we want to talk about before we start getting into the Canucks stuff. Uh, Vincent Trocheck heading over to Carolina uh, for a haul of. Players heading back towards Florida, Eric Holla, Lucas Walmark, Itu Lustanurinen, and Chase Prisky heading back that way. That's an interesting one. Trocek heading over to Carolina. I know he's on a pretty decent contract as well for a guy who's going to be a second-line center. Uh, but Pittsburgh went out and they got Patty Marlowe. How do you like that ad? I like, kind of like that one. It's funny. When we're reading these names, I feel like we're doing a card pack opening and we're reading these names of these guys. We have no idea their names. But I the wanted bar- to do a card pack. Every <laughs> yeah. time we come to the studio, I just want to open more packs of cards I thanks know. to our uh, friends at Zephyr Epic. Oh, yeah. Go check them out for sure. Uh, yes. The Patrick Marlowe trade. Third round pick. Yeah. Sure. Uh, did you see that picture of Marlowe in the Penguin shirt? Mm-hmm. It's like exactly like Elias Patterson in the Vancouver, Canada shirt. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think his uh, Marlowe's wife was talking about she's got a, an, uh, just, just like a ton of pictures of him as a kid. Um, and I believe, I think Marlowe's from somewhere in Saskatchewan. So that's uh, interesting. He's a Pittsburgh fan. Yeah, very, yeah, very interesting for mm-hmm. sure. All right. Uh, we'll skip the Leafs because we'll talk about them later. Trust oh, me. man. Uh, and then we got Wayne Simmons, who is a name that Canucks were apparently interested in. He went for a fifth round pick. I, think I kept that's saying a- he was, he's not going to go for much. He's going to go for similar to what Thomas Vanek went for. I kept saying it for a while and he went for not even this year's draft next year's fifth round pick. And it's conditional. What's the condition? Oh, okay, gotcha. If the Sa- okay, here's the condition, everybody. If the Sabers Sabers make the playoffs and Simmons plays ten games, it'll turn into a fourth rounder. Okay, right. and they retained fifty percent of the contract, so that's uh, nice for Buffalo as well. Yeah. Which was, you know, I mean, if you look at it like that, and you saw that the Devils are willing to take that kind of return and still hold on to fifty percent, it makes you think that you know the Canucks could have fit a spot in like that for Wayne Simmons for a fifth round pick. I would have been okay with that probably. Okay. 
And now we talk about the Oilers and the Red Wings who made a trade. Uh, the Red Wings are getting Canuck legend Sam Gagne, once played with the Sedine Twins. I don't know if you guys all knew that. A 2020 second round pick and a 2021 second round pick. The Oilers are getting Andreas Athanasiu and Ryan Kafna. And Athanasiu is a player who I think if he's playing with McDavid, that is just like, my goodness. I know we're going to see that line a lot going down the stretch here, maybe even in the playoffs. And that is a line that I don't think anybody's going to want to play against. Well, yeah, the Oilers went out and added a lot of players. Something that, you know, the Canucks probably had the option of doing was going out and adding maybe not the type of player like Athanasiu, but I mean, they added like Tyler Ennis, who we're going to get to right after. It's the next trade. They traded him for a fifth round pick. He's a guy that can maybe help. You're scoring in the top nine. And the way that the playoffs are shaping out right now, I mean, there's a there's a chance that the Canucks will face off against the Oilers in the first round. So seeing all the moves that the Oilers went out and made uh, today on deadline day, I know they were one of the most active teams out there for sure. Yeah, we're just scrolling up here. And then, well, I guess that's okay. We got to talk about one more trade before we get to what the Canucks did. So this is Tampa and San Jose. So San Jose sends forward Barkley Goodrow, who, by the way, doesn't score many goals or do anything crazy. He's a, more of like a grinder and he fights, right? So they send that and a third round pick. To Tampa Bay, sorry, I'm reading it, and Tampa Bay sends back a first-round pick in this draft. So now Tampa has no first-round pick in this draft after having two, Yeah, because they they already traded the Canucks first round, then they just traded their first round to San Jose. And they traded for Blake Coleman. Like, Mm -hmm. Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow is worth two first-round picks? Like, my goodness, I know they're going to be late first-round picks, but my gosh. Look at the timeline of how this trade works with, like, acquiring the third-round pick, Trading away JT Miller, like you see what they gave up just to get Goudreau, Coleman, and a third round pick, and it's ridiculous how much yeah, they had to get. Yeah, exactly. Up. Like, you know, we'll Two get into that later. Like, JT Miller, I mean, like, yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah, like the the cost to acquire a JT Miller and a Tyler Toffoli, who I am very confident saying are two players who are much better than Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau. Yep. Like, I think that's a fair price that the Canucks paid. And, you know, it, it was maybe an overpayment at the time at the draft. We can talk about that all we want, especially against a team like Tampa who was up against the cap. But if you look at what players are going for now, I it, like it, it just makes me think more and more that the Toffoli trade was not an overpayment, something that you and I both talked about on our last emergency episode when that trade went down. And, you know, it's paying off early for the Canucks. Like, he looks great on Pedersen's line. And, you know, we'll talk about that in depth on Friday's episode, I'm sure. But I just, I, I, like, I like seeing... Um, seeing teams keep giving up first round picks for these kind of players because it just makes what the Canucks did look so much better. Yeah, you talk about first rounders. Another one, Carolina uh, picked up Brady Ski for a first rounder um, from the New York Rangers. So, I mean, these, this Rangers team has done an amazing job over the past couple of years adding picks and uh, drafting pretty well as well. But yeah, like you talked about, doesn't look that bad for the Toffoli trade. And I know you gave up, you know, give up a lot with what Tyler Madden could be and you give up a lot with what that second round pick could be. But I mean, these players that were getting traded for first-round picks are not the quality of player that Tyler Toffoli is. So it makes that deal look even better. And, you know, you touched on the JT Miller trade, and it seems like every trade that's made now starts to make the JT Miller trade look better, too, because he's been able to produce at such a high level for the Canucks. Exactly. And when the Canucks trade today is the result of starting goaltender Jacob Markstrom going down. We're going to break that down very shortly here. But the trade was goaltender Zane McIntyre, who we talk about on the Ride in the Bus segment with Corey Hergott, who is stealing starts from Michael DiPietro yep. just two weeks ago, traded one for one for goaltender Louis Domingue, right-handed goaltender, I should add. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen a Canucks goalie with uh, their glove on the right side. So that's going to be a little bit of fun to see. I wonder... Because I've seen his gear, and it's like very, very red. So he's got to get some new gear probably pretty soon, but it could look really funny um, if he is put into game action. And he might, actually, like as soon as this weekend, because we have back-to-back games 
for the Vancouver Canucks this weekend against Columbus and Toronto. Toronto Saturday, Columbus Sunday. I hope. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, we could see Domingue as soon as this upcoming weekend. But until then, yeah, it's going to be a lot of Thatcher Demko over the next little bit. So let's talk about this. Markstrom out with a torn meniscus. His timeline right now, as far as we know, is three to four weeks. Uh, You know, that's what Wikipedia says is the timeline for a torn meniscus. How about uh, Patrick Johnston on the reporting today? I mean, he was ahead of everyone. PJ's been a guy who's helped out you and me a ton, especially when... When we go to like, I know you had it at media day. I had it at training camp, but PJ is one of the guys who was like the most helpful yeah. out of all these media people. Um, so the fact that he was the one breaking that, it was, you know, it was great to see. Obviously, PJ does great work and maybe he doesn't get noticed as much as some of the people like everyone's following Rick Dollywall and, you know, following some yeah, of the yeah. major guys in TSM. But the fact that PJ was able to break that, I saw Bob McKenzie tweeting at Patrick Johnson. So yeah, he did an amazing job, uh, breaking that story, even though it's, you know, a crappy story to break. But the fact that, you know, as a reporter and a journalist, you have to be able to break yeah, that. Yeah, it's your job. Yeah. And at PJ rising action. Yeah. At rising action, everybody. Go give him a follow for sure. But I yeah. think the Twitter handle, PJ might have to change his Twitter handle. It throws people off. Like, I think so. I think might, when yeah. I had him on this show, I asked him about it. I can't remember why it's rising action, but, uh, yeah, maybe he needs a change here. He'll have to give us an explanation for that next time he yeah. comes on the show for sure. Uh, but yeah, let's get into the marks from, you know, the injury, what it means for the Canucks. Like, this is an injury that we talk about Thatcher Demko, and what do we all talk about is like, you know, Thatcher Demko, you have to see more from him. Well, this is what I say, at least. You have to see, I have to see more from Thatcher Demko before I'm sold on him being like the everyday starter for the Canucks. And, you know, like being like, okay, now Jacob Markstrom's expendable. I don't really feel that way quite yet about Thatcher Demko. I don't think he's proven enough. So I think he needs to play more games and, you know, Three weeks is a good amount of time for him to go on a nice little run here. And who better to do it than the Canucks' upcoming opponents? Like, we got the two liquidation teams, Montreal Canadiens and Ottawa yep. Senators. <laughs> and then we got the team that can't even beat their own Zamboni driver, the Toronto Maple Leafs, coming up. And then Columbus, who's, like, an actually pretty good team. And they've got Elvis Merzlikens, I think his name is. And yeah. that guy's an absolute stud. So it'll be interesting. But I can see I could see Thatcher Demko, you know, picking up every every start that he's given he can pick up a win here very easily yeah i wonder how they're going to play it this weekend because um yeah like you mentioned they're in montreal on tuesday ottawa on thursday and then saturday they take on the leafs so i would you know i would expect to see thatcher demko for all three of those games but then at the same time you know it's it's going to be interesting to see how they do at columbus and see how they work Deming in there um as of we as we talk about that as well jake kiley who was called out from the kalamazoo wings from the echl he's going to come up and back up in the AHL, so we'll talk to Corey about that because Jake Kiley is a guy that people are more excited to see play games at the AHL level than Zane McIntyre, who was traded away because McIntyre was a guy who's had a little bit of time in the AHL. And I think that Kiley, you know, we just drafted him in the past couple, I believe it was his past draft, or two drafts ago we drafted him. Or no, he's a free agent, uh, yeah, free agent pickup. That's right. So uh, Jake Kiley's now going to be the backup for um, DiPietro down there in the HL, which a lot of people should be excited for. I know, uh, Sean Warren wrote a piece about Jake Kylie a couple months ago. If you want to check that out. Um, but yeah, this is, this is huge because Jacob Marstrom has been the MVP for this team up to this point. And though a lot of us at the start of the year wanted to see more Demko seemed like as the year went on, we kind of said, and as Canucks fans, everyone kind of agreed, like, okay, we need to see as much Markstrom as possible because, uh, you know, some of the work that we see some of these guys like Kevin Woodley do and some of these advanced stats like Jacob Markstrom is stealing more games than any other goalie in the league. Eight. 
eight on the season. Yeah, like you take away those eight wins, where are the Canucks, right? And second place has five. So, yeah. I mean, he's like way ahead of everyone when it comes to stealing games. Exactly. Now, taking a quick look at what we're getting out of Louis Domingue. Last season, he was with the Tampa Bay Lightning. He actually went 21-5 and with a 908 save percentage and a 2.88 goals against average. This season was a little different for sure for Domingue as he had an 882 save percentage with a 3.79 goals against average. And, you know, like... He's oh sorry, and he was also three eight and two, and that was on the New Jersey Devils. So you know what? Like, I look at that and I say, okay, well, Tampa's defense is a lot better than the Devils. Yeah. Um, and you know, if a goaltender needs good defense in front of him, I don't think the Canucks are the right team for him. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, like I mean, they, Louis Domingue isn't like a great backup goalie to have. Yeah, he was exactly. bouncing between the AHL and the NHL this year, but like you said, I mean, he put up good numbers when he was in a spot where he didn't have to play very much. Um, with Tampa Bay, but he put up good numbers on a team that was just that's just an unbelievable team that yeah, was in front exactly. of him there. So yeah. I'm not expecting him to come in and be great, but I think he he's going to come in and hopefully be able to be an NHL goalie. Which I saw some people call him for Mikey DiPietro, and like it's no. just so early for that. Um, you can't really bring up DiPietro in this spot. I've talked about it a lot. He's just not ready for to face 35 plus NHL shots a game, which yeah. you know we got to talk about that with Thatcher Demko because that's what he's going to start facing. I mean, these this Canucks team gives up a ton of shots. And Jacob Markstrom has been the MVP for that reason because he's been able to withstand those amount of shots and squeak out wins for the Canucks. And now, you know, Thatcher Demko is going to have so much more pressure on him for the rest of the year. Exactly. You know how we talk about, you know, this goaltending problem that the Canucks have and having to protect one guy. We're, I was always saying, like, we'll have to figure it out next year because there's, you know, the Canucks need Markstrom to play most of the games down the stretch run here. Well, now they don't have an option. Demko's got to come up big. This team wants to make the playoffs. It's so clear with the Toffoli deal. It was clear right from the GT Miller deal that this team is only going for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, the management has used the word playoffs multiple times. Like, this team wants to make the playoffs. So now we have to think about it like that. Like, Demko has an opportunity here. And if he fails, I think a lot of fans are going to be starting to think that, yeah, Demko's a lot more expendable than maybe we thought he was before. Because, you know, he hasn't played a lot of games, and that's no fault of his own. And, you know, like, you can't really blame Travis Green either, because Markstrom, Markstrom plays better when he plays a lot. And you want the best out of Jacob Markstrom, and I think that's what you've been getting. So you don't really want to just start throwing in Demko for the sake of throwing in Demko and getting a look at him. But now you have no options, so now the Canucks really need Demko to come up big for them. Yeah, a lot of people wanted to see Demko play 25-plus games. Uh, We are going to get to see that now because he's going to get a ton of these games moving forward into the future here. And, I mean, I I think it's, yeah, it's obviously so horrible to lose Markstrom. But uh, at the same time, like, this also does maybe help decide a little bit more on what Thatcher Demko is for a future. I mean, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him to get this team to the playoffs. I know that all they got to do is, I think they need 23 points. I tweeted it out today. 23 points in their final 21 games. That'll get them a guaranteed playoff spot. I think that puts them at like 93 or 94 points, which is a guaranteed spot. So they, yeah, they basically have to just be 500 for the rest of the year. And uh, without Markstrom... You know, Demko's going to have to step up, and he has. He's had some really good games this year, but he also hasn't had the workload like Jacob Markstrom has. And the yeah. fact that Jacob Markstrom's been able to do this through what he's gone through this season and, and you know, be able to to have that much of a workload, like, we just don't know what we're going to get with Thatcher Demko, but he's proven himself so far this year that he's been able to win some big games for the Vancouver Canucks, have some pretty solid outings for him. Now, it's hard to stay consistent when you're not playing every day. For sure. And that's exactly what we've seen with Thatcher Demko is his numbers fluctuating for sure. We're just looking at his game long here. His last game was a loss to the Anaheim Ducks where he allowed five goals 
821 save percentage. That's not a great game. And then the one before that, it was a shootout loss. He played much better. And then before that, it was the win over St. Louis, and he played lights out in that game. That was probably the best game of his career. And then there was the one in San Jose, which was another great game uh, in front of like his, his family and everything. It was pretty great for him, for sure. So it's going to be interesting to see what he's able to do now that he's given the opportunity to be an everyday goaltender. Like This is really an opportunity that, that Thatcher Demko's never had before. Like, Jake, I can't remember the last time Jacob Markstrom was out for more than two weeks. I don't, I don't think that's happened in since Thatcher Demko has been the backup. Correct no. me if I'm wrong. No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, we got to see him do a little bit of running games this year. Obviously, when Markstrom went back to Sweden uh, to see his family, but yeah, like this is this is a huge test for Thatcher Demko, and it's almost, you know, obviously, like I like I've said, it's horrible that Markstrom's out, but. This is um, a huge opportunity, I guess is what you would want to call it, for Thatcher Demko to be able to you know, show that he is the type of guy that can be a starter in the future. He's going to get a big run of games here. He's going to be re- relied upon a ton. Travis Green, we know what he's like with his goalies. He loves to roll with Markstrom so long because he trusts him. Now he's going to have this other guy who's got a glove on the wrong hand who he's never really seen play before. Like I just don't see Green trusting Deming to like get many starts aside from the ones that are back-to-back days. And... Thatcher Demko's young, he's athletic, he's the type of guy that maybe would start back-to-back games if Travis Green really doesn't trust Deming, and there's not really another option, like, they're not going to bring up Kylie, they're not going to bring up DiPietro, it's got to just be um, Thatcher Demko and Louis Deming at this point, so there's a lot to unpack and, and move forward here, but what are you expecting from seeing Demko for a little bit here, because we're going to see him be a starter for the first time? What am I expecting? I'm expecting him to come in and play some good games. But I'm also expecting him to play some bad games. It's going to happen. He's still a young goaltender. You know, he's only played 19 games this season. So I'd like I'd like to see him come in and play lights out and be a great story. I just don't know if I like I I say this every time we talk about Demko. Like I don't know if I've seen enough. And again, that's no fault of his own. But I think now is a really good opportunity for us to really see what we have in Demko. What's the What's the thing that you're worried about with Demko being the starter so much? Because you know, Markstrom stole games. Demko has stole some games this year, but he's going to start facing, like, man, the Canucks are giving up a ton of shots. There's nothing you can really talk your way around it. Like, they've given up a ton of shots in their past little bit, and obviously Markstrom's stolen a lot of games. But you look at you look at some of the shots. They had a run of games where it was 40, 37, 37, yeah. 32, 42, 37, 32, 38, 49. Holy like, shit. that's a run of, like, seven games where you're giving up an average of just about 40 shots a game. And... I think Thatcher Demko is cool with you know facing up to thirty five shots, but when you start facing over that, that's that's a lot, and he's going to be expected to play a lot of games and have a lot of games where he's facing a ton of shots like that. Yeah. So when you ask me what I'm worried about with Thatcher Demko in the role, I'm worried about the team in front of him. I'm not worried about Thatcher Demko. I'm worried about the team in front of him and their ability to defend. Like I'm <laughs> I'm very concerned about what's going to happen when Thatcher Demko starts facing like forty plus shots a yeah. game. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I like I'm very I'm pretty confident in what Demko is as a player and as a goalie because we've seen him put in some good work. He's obviously been able to have a lot of time to work on his game here because yeah, he hasn't played a lot. He only played two games so far in February. Um, I think he had like a little bit of a stretch in January. He played some games, but man, like this is this is going to be so different from what we've seen so far with him that that I'm almost like excited to see what Demko can do and obviously. You lose your MVP, it's so huge. But I think that could be a shock to the rest of the team 
where they have to really step up. Yeah, they, they're not going to have anybody bailing the, them out. And it's the final playoff push, right? It's the final quarter of the season now. Like, the trade deadline's come and gone. The general manager trusts in the group that he has. He talked about it in the press conference today that, like, he's really happy with this group. So maybe this group can kind of, like, band together and, you know, step up for Demko, be better defensively in front of them, and go out there and, you know, win some games for your goalie and your goalie that's down to injury who's done so much for you. You should do something for Markstrom and put them in a decent spot as they head into playoffs. Nine goals is good run support. Like, I'll just say that. And, you know, like, the Canucks really came out in that game against Boston, and you don't just beat the best team in the NHL like that by fluke. That was the Canucks coming out, being prepared, and they learned a, they learned something about themselves that game for sure. Like, the, now they know what it takes to beat the best team in the NHL and what they need to do going forward in order to basically win every game. Like, they, they know they can win any game. Like, this team's good enough. Like... In years past, that just wasn't the case. Like, you know, if the Canucks are facing the best team in the NHL, it's, okay, well, there's a loss. That's okay, but we'll get them next time. Or, you know, Tank Nation, whatever. Whatever you want to call it. But I just, I I think the win against Boston was such a statement game for this team. And I think now that they have Demko in net, it's kind of like, okay, guys, like, we got Markstrom nine goals. Like, we now we have to tighten it up defensively. We have to keep getting good run support. Like, we got to make the playoffs, and it's not just going to be because of Markstrom anymore. It's going to have to be a team effort. Yeah, and I think that with with Demko having to go back and be that starter, that he's been with a lot of these players for a long time, so they probably want to step it up for him. But uh, I, I want to touch on Saturday real quick since we're kind of wrapping up the weekend as well. What do you think of the game overall? I mean, they put up nine goals. It was just one of the best to watch, I guess. Oh, 100%. Like, Quinn Hughes, like, you know, my my uh, column on, on uh, Vancouver is awesome got delayed because of all the trade deadline stuff, but it's coming out tonight. Quads and Player of the Week is Quinn Hughes, uh, and I, I did some video work, like video breakdowns of his, uh, well, actually, I just embedded tweets and talked about them, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, basically, like, talked about how dominant he was in that game, like how he played such big minutes for the Canucks, and, you know, he controlled the play a lot on the time he was on the ice in all three games of last week, and I just look at that, and I look at the performance as a whole from the Canucks, like, who had a bad game on Saturday night? I don't think you can really say anybody. Like, yeah, Louis even looked good. Yeah, Louis was great. Yeah, exactly. I know you're you're talking about another Louis in town now too. Oh yeah, yeah. This is my hot take. Actually, I guess it's a cold take. Did <laughs> Louis Domingue just become the most popular Louis in Vancouver? He has. We've had a big history of Louis in the past year. Obviously, we saw Roberto this uh, this past Wednesday when he came into town. Yes, but um, yeah, another Louis behind the net. I, honestly, like the fact with Domingue, and we're gonna see him. I'm excited to see a Canucks goalie with the right catching glove because I'm I'm left-handed. Uh, when I play goalie, it's you know I I never get a chance to do it, but my natural way is to have a glove on the right side. But I've always had to play the other way because no one ever has the glove. Hmm. So I'm just kind of like excited to uh, to see what a guy looks like in a Canucks jersey because man, we I can't remember the last one like of recent memory that we had that was a right catching goalie. Especially you know I'm sure there was some at the time, but I just can't remember any of them. Someone will comment on this podcast or something. Um, but yeah, like Demko's at that age too right now where like, this is, this is such an opportunity for Demko and his camp because we know his camp's vocal. They're the reason they got called up last year. They talked his way into the NHL. Now, if they get a chance to, to see what he can do as a starter and kind of make their way into the playoffs, like they're going to be able to talk a lot more about, you know, what Thatcher Demko could be moving forward. And, and I think it makes it tough for Jacob Markstrom at the same time, because, Markstrom likes to get into a groove and likes to play games. And if he's out three to four weeks, I'm going to lean 
closer to four weeks. If he's out four weeks, there's only six weeks left in the season. So to get him back and get him back to 100% game ready, like we talked about it on last week's podcast, was uh, if I was a team in the Pacific running into the Canucks in the first round of the playoffs, I'd be worried because of what Jacob Markstrom can bring to your Canucks team. He can steal you a series, it seems like right now, especially against these other teams that have powerhouse offensive teams. Like when Jacob Markstrom's on, he can make ridiculous, he can put up a ridiculous stat line and steal you so many games. So I'm worried about that a little bit, about how he finds his groove coming back. But some time off could also be good for a guy like Markstrom. And if this was, I mean, meniscus injuries from what I've heard on the radio and stuff today was like, could have been a lot worse. Any other injury to your knee is pretty much worse than the meniscus one, and, and a lot of people can play through them. But we'll see what happens. It's good to get some time off if they're going to scrape it out and get it cleaned up because we're going to find out a lot more on Wednesday. But, man, the Canucks have been strange with breaking this kind of news to us, uh, like breaking news to their fan base this year. It's been something that we you know, we haven't really seen this type of way that they've been delivering information in the past. Yeah, like everything seems like it's a mystery, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, like especially with the 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 Besser injury, that was where yeah. it really was. Well, even like, today, whoa. finding out that it was like a maintenance day, and and instead of a maintenance day, he's going in for an MRI to be <laughs> sent home to Vancouver. That's just that's not a well. I mean, it's it's somewhat of a maintenance day, but that's not what you should be announcing. I don't think. I mean, yeah, it's the Canucks are doing stuff in a weird way, and then the way that we find out is you know Patrick Johnson breaking it, but. I think right after Patrick announced that, we hear a trade for Louis Domingue, and then nobody knows what's going on with Markstrom at the time. And Yeah, I don't know. If they're trying to piss off their fan base, they're doing a pretty good job the way they're sending out news for sure. Chris, do you have anything you want to add before we wrap up here? No, I mean, like I'm really curious to see what happens over the next little bit. I know that there's... There's some interesting stretch of games for the Vancouver Canucks. Like you mentioned it, it's a really good start for them if they're going to go with Thatcher Demko. You mentioned it. The first two teams that they're going to play against are Montreal Canadiens, Ottawa Senators. Over the past couple of years, you would say that those are winnable games for what the Canucks team has been. But now that the Canucks team is good and, you know, a team that looks like a playoff team, like you're saying, I think you said it, we should win these two games. Montreal and Ottawa, they should beat them. Toronto and Columbus on the weekend, that's going to be when the real test comes because it's back-to-back games. And they have a ton of back-to-back games coming up. In March 12th, 13th, they have back-to-back games. March 20th and 21st, they have back-to-back games. And then the 27th and 28th, they have back-to-back games as well. So March is a busy month. Um, only five road games throughout March, or six of them, actually. So it's not like a, a really hard schedule. But the fact that they have all these back-to-backs wouldn't have been that bad if we had Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko. But now you have Demko and Domingue. And that's going to be real tough. And you know the Canucks have set themselves up in a spot where they have a lot of depth. And I don't think that it's been really tested because not a lot of major injuries have happened. I mean, Besser went out and they replaced him with Toffoli, so it's not like you had to go down to Utica. But if you had to, there's there's options down in Utica. And I know that you know it's not really a similar situation with the goalie, but the fact that you have Thatcher Demko as your backup goalie, Thatcher Demko would probably be a starter on a, a handful of NHL teams in the league. And this is when, when the depth is being tested and you can step up and bring Thatcher Demko to become your starter. And it's like, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's obviously... One of the worst things that could happen to the Vancouver Canucks is Jacob Markstrom going down to an injury, but it's not the worst thing in the world that Thatcher Demko is going to be your starter for a month because he's a guy that's at that point of breaking through to become a starter. So the depth, like the, as much as Jim Benning likes to talk about the depth in Vancouver, he kind of has a point when you get yourself into a situation like this. Yeah, exactly, for sure. And, you know, like that that's just it. Is it's going to be interesting to see, and I'm excited to see what Thatcher Demko can do with this new opportunity. And, you know, 
I'm starting to think like if Louis Domingue gets a couple games and goes on a bit of a run, who sells more jersey, Louis D- Louis Domingue or Louis Erickson? Well, I'm on the Louis Erickson camp, still waiting for my uh, Chinese New Chinese Year jersey to come in. Yes, I can't I'm wait. I'm gonna piss everyone off on our live stream when I get that. I couldn't believe how pissed off everyone got. Yeah, we're gonna make <laughs> a hype video. It's gonna be awesome. I can't wait for that. Absolutely, come in looking like Rob Faye with that jersey. There on you or go, something. sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to this emergency edition of the Canucks Conversation. For Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrell. You can catch well, us wait, again. Wait, let's just tell one. Let's tell people about the two weeks like, before we get going too far because it's a pretty cool announcement. We're going to be doing two episodes a week. I said that at the start. of I the know, show. but we should we can say it at the end so people remember now because you. I was leave, getting to that. Leave it fret. No, you weren't. You were closing out the show. No, I yeah, I was closing it. out and saying you can catch us on Saturday mornings okay. and Tuesday. Oh All right, my, my bad. Wow. Okay. Get your hype voice going and close it out then. All right. Let me just cook it back up again. <laughs> for Dave, fuck! I almost said for David Quadrelli. For Chris Faber, my name is David Grigelli. This is the Canucks Conversation. You can catch us on Chris. Listen to this. Saturday mornings at 5 a.m. and Tuesday evenings. We're going to be recording now. That's the new announcement that my co-host just told me to announce uh, for the second time on the episode, I'd like to add. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Tuesday Tuesday evenings and Saturday mornings. We are very excited to be going twice a week. And, you know, it's all about the growth of the show. And, like, Chris and I have really enjoyed working together. And, you know, it's started something beautiful. Absolutely. I, and I mean, we do have Patreon stuff coming to you. I know somebody was asking. Uh, we have some interviews lined up that'll be coming out. We'll, like, trade deadline made it kind of tough to get interviews going this yeah, week, but yeah. next week we'll be back. We got uh, another Canucks prospect who is a former guest of the show will be coming back on. And we're working on getting another Canucks prospect who a lot of people have been requesting to come back on the show. So we're working on that. Uh, but we definitely have one prospect that everybody likes to hear coming on in the next two weeks here. Working around the clock for you people. All right, again, for Chris Faber, my name is David Guadrelli, and you have been listening to the Canucks Conversation.